Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm John Murray Brown. Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman's visit to India and Pakistan this week was overshadowed by a deadly attack on Indian paramilitary soldiers in Kashmir that raised fears of a military confrontation on the border. Jyotsna Singh spoke to Amy Kasmin about the flare-up and the prince's potential role as peacemaker. So last week's terror attack in Kashmir overshadowed Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman's visit to India. What exactly happened in the attack? A suicide bomber driving a car filled with explosives drove into a military convoy in India's Kashmir region. It was a 78-vehicle convoy, and this car detonated alongside a bus which was carrying around 44 paramilitary personnel who were returning from home leave and going back to duty. The bus and the people on it were completely obliterated. We've just heard a clip where Modi vows to punish the perpetrators of the attack and warns Pakistan that it is dealing with a new India. Why does the Indian Prime Minister hold the Pakistan government responsible? Immediately after the attack, a group called Jaishi Mohammed, which is based in Pakistan, claimed responsibility for the carnage. They released a video of the suicide bomber who was a local Kashmiri young man who'd grown up not far away from the site of the attack. So they promptly claimed responsibility. India says that this group, which has been operating out of Pakistan for decades, is completely protected by the Pakistani state. Its leader, Masood Azhar, was in an Indian prison in the 1990s, and he was freed in exchange for hostages who had been on board a hijacked Indian Airlines plane. He was exchanged for the hostages in Afghanistan. He was then escorted back to Pakistan, and he went on to found this group group Jaishi Mohammed and Jaishi Mohammed is believed responsible for a string of terror attacks in India including a 2001 attack on the Indian parliament that nearly brought India and Pakistan to the brink of war Masood Azhar is thought to have also had a role in the Mumbai terror attacks in 2008 and also to have recently been behind some smaller attacks by militants on Indian army bases in 2016 so what India says is this group is operating out of Pakistani soil and it is given impunity and full freedom to act by the Pakistani state, which considers it a useful tool in its long-running strategic rivalry with India. And in the strong statement released after the Kashmir attack last week, they basically accused Pakistan of giving full freedom to Jaish e Mohammed to operate and plan terrorist attacks, and they demanded a crackdown and credible and verifiable action against Masood Azhar and the group. In a televised address, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan warned his country had no option but to retaliate if India launched a revenge attack. 
پاکستان ریٹیلیٹ کرے گا پاکستان کوئی اور دوسرا راستہ نہیں ہوگا ریٹیلیٹ کرنے کے بغیر جواب دینے کے بغیر ہاؤ ریئل از دا رسک آف اے سیریس کانفرنٹیشن بٹوین دا ٹو نیوکلیئر آرمڈ نیبرز India and Pakistan have fought four wars already. The one of them was undeclared. And they have seen in the past these really strong spikes in tensions, particularly after terror attacks such as the 2001 parliament bombing and then the 2008 Mumbai attacks. Both times, rhetoric has escalated. Troops have been moved into place. There's been a lot of saber-rattling and thoughts that, you know, things could really escalate. And fortunately, the international community has usually been able to prevail upon these two countries, including leaning on Pakistan to make certain concessions. And conflict has been avoided. India has shown restraint, while Pakistan has tended to make some kind of concessions. sessions. The situation we find ourselves in today is seriously different, although in some ways it could be argued that this attack on a military bus of military personnel is not as provocative as, say, the attack on Parliament in New Delhi and the Mumbai attack on civilians, which went on for days in prime locations of India's financial capital. The risk this time seems potentially higher. The reason is that Prime Minister Narendra Andra Modi is facing an election soon in the next couple of months. He has always positioned himself as a strong leader who would be tough on cross-border terrorism. In the past, he was highly critical of previous Indian governments, which he said had not done enough to respond to provocation from Pakistan, and he vowed to be tougher. In 2016, in fact, after an attack by militants on an Indian army base killed 19 soldiers, the Indian government sent an elite team of troops to carry out a small raid into Pakistani territory where they destroyed bunkers and other forward positions that they said were being used by militants as they waited to infiltrate into India. These attacks were described as surgical strikes, and Mr. Modi has trumpeted them as evidence of his new, more robust response to Pakistani cross-border terrorism. The surgical strikes, their anniversary was celebrated as some kind of national occasion. They have been... fictionalized and dramatized into a Bollywood movie that members of Mr. Modi's ruling party have actually encouraged people to go see before the election. So he has a lot riding on his own image as a decisive and forceful leader who's willing to be strong with Pakistan, which is something that many, many Indians really want to see because they're so frustrated with all these long years of being subjected to Pakistani cross-border terrorism and not really able to respond. So the dilemma facing Modi now is that here has come this new attack. It's right ahead of elections. And so there is a strong feeling that he is under political compulsions to give a, as he said, befitting reply. And if he doesn't respond militarily in some way, that he would pay a domestic political price at the polls. There's another factor that adds to the volatility of this mix, and that is the fact that in the past, the U.S. and the U.K. had both played active roles in de-escalating tensions, 
But this time, the U.S. under the Trump administration seems so distracted and so undermanned. It's lost so many of its experienced key diplomatic personnel. It doesn't have a U.N. ambassador. Secretary of Defense James Mattis, who had a really good equation with his Indian counterpart, is gone. And the Trump administration seems tied up in knots with its border wall debate and its emergency. And it's not clear they're actually paying that much attention. And likewise, Britain is quite preoccupied with Brexit. So there's a feeling that will anyone step in to stop a very dangerous escalation? Do you think the Saudi prince can help defuse the tensions? Saudi prince Mohammed bin Salman has made these two back-to-back visits, first to Pakistan and then to India. In a press briefing after their meeting, both Narendra Modi and the prince affirmed the importance of battling terrorism, but they spoke really only in general terms. But one can imagine that behind the scenes, there would have been some very strong words exchanged. Mr. Modi would have been very determined to make India's perspective on the issue of Pakistan allegedly harboring terrorists very clear to the Saudi crown prince. He has spoken of trying to de-escalate tensions, but many Indians view him also with incredible suspicion because they feel that Saudi Arabia has been a big financier of radical Islamism and Islamic terrorism. And Saudi is also providing oodles of financial support to Pakistan. While in Pakistan, the crown prince signed $20 billion worth of deals with Imran Khan's government. And they also issued a joint statement in which Pakistan was praised for its efforts on counterterrorism and cracking down on terror groups. None of this is very reassuring to India. But India also has strong and important economic ties with Saudi Arabia. It's one of its major buyers of oil. There's nearly 3 million Indian migrant workers working in Saudi Arabia, sending back a billion dollars a year of remittances. So Saudi Arabia is an important partner from India. And I think at this point, India and Modi and the Indian security establishment will be trying to prevail upon the crown prince, who obviously does have leverage with Imran Khan because of its huge financial largesse to Pakistan. And what is the Saudi prince trying to get out of these visits to India and Pakistan? What's in it for him? Obviously, the prince has been under a lot of pressure as a result of the murder of the Saudi dissident journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And there is a strong suspicion and belief that the prince ordered this killing because he was unhappy with Khashoggi's coverage of the kingdom and issues within the kingdom. This has really led to a huge international outcry and has really been a blow to the image of of the crown prince who was previously being embraced as this great reformer who was trying to bring Saudi Arabia into the modern age. So it appears that now he is looking to raise his stature and rehabilitate his image by showing that he still carries clout within Asia. Of course, if he can be seen to be playing some kind of role in de-escalating a potentially volatile situation between India and Pakistan, 
insist on this would help improve his image, but many Indians are quite wary given the kind of love fest that he seemed to be engaging in with Imran Khan and his very flowery language where he said he would be Pakistan's ambassador in Saudi Arabia. But it's clear that India still sees some opportunity because Prime Minister Narendra Modi gave the Crown Prince a very warm reception on his arrival. He greeted him with a big bear hug at the airport, a big break of protocol that he went to the airport, that he received him personally. So I think he's hoping that they will persuade Saudi Arabia to understand their point of view. And for the Crown Prince, it may be a bit of a balancing act as well. That was Jyotsna Singh talking to our South Asia Bureau Chief, Amy Kasmin. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer.